We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. Okay, we're live. All right. Welcome to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valatins. Uh, I'm really excited about the conversation that Jason and I are going to have today. We are your hosts, Jason and Lauren Valatin. We have, um, we've been married going on 12 years this summer. And through the course of our uh, friendship, our dating, our journey of blending a family and parenting together, um, mixed with our work our careers, all working in a church, working with people, Jason in pastoral counseling. Um, we have become passionate about equipping people for relational health. And and honestly, having relationship is something that every single person has in common on the planet. We were made relational creatures. We are in relationship with friends, family, spouses, children. And although we are built for a relationship, a lot of people don't actually know how to thrive inside of their relational context in life. And so this podcast is, I mean, it's about telling on ourselves. We're going to share some really hilarious stories. We're going to make you feel more human as the listener, as you listen to us unpack the mistakes that we've made and the wins that we've had. And hopefully we're going to equip you and encourage you along the way. Today, we're actually talking about needs and we're talking about um, self-awareness, two topics that are inside of a, a foundation series. We're kind of calling it our, our foundation series, Foundations for Relational Health. What What is it as we go on this journey together? Hopefully you as the listener will, will journey along with us. Uh, what are some of the, the critical components for relational health that you're going to come back to time and time again? We're going to unpack those. We're kind of in a week two of this series. So last conversation we had, we were talking um, a lot about your normal, kind of where you've come from as a person. And this week we're going to unpack needs and boundaries. Uh, sorry, not boundaries. That's coming. That's coming. Teaser there. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, today we're going to talk about needs and self-awareness. And for those of you that don't know this part of our story, um, Jason was married for almost 10 years before he was a single dad for a couple years. And then we got married a couple years later. So part of his journey was walking through a really heartbreaking divorce. And babe, would you say that it was kind of in that season that you discovered the re- the real, <laughs> the very depth of the fact that as human beings, we all have needs inside of ourselves, whether we realize it or not. And it's important that they get met. Yeah. Growing up, uh, I grew up in a home where I feel like my needs were met without me having to like learn how to go, Hey, I, I have this big giant, huge need right here. Yeah. Or, and so, you know, getting into a relationship really young, I was, I, I was dating, um, my first wife at 16, mm-hmm. we were engaged to be married at 17 in high school and then married at 18 which is just so crazy to me looking you back. You were children. We were just kids. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and the truth is, is like, I'm such a high pleaser, mm-hmm. not like a people pleaser in the sense of like a pushover, mm-hmm. but just a natural personality, right? Like my natural personality is I really want to please I really want to to make the person that I'm with feel special and cared for. And so I have a tendency to withhold what I really need, what I really want, mm-hmm. my desires for fear of conflict, uh, for, yeah, I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And so I spent most of my, I don't know, gosh, most of my younger adult life being so terrified of conflict, mm-hmm. 
And I, the reason why I say conflict is because most of the time when we have needs, a lot of times when we have needs, it's like it produces some bit of conflict. Yeah. Because it's easy, like a need, if, I, if I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm hungry, I want to get something to eat. That's a need. That's not hard to to bring to somebody else, right? Like that, Right, it's that's, not vulnerable. No. But, hey, I really, what happened yesterday really hurt my feelings. I'm not, I'm not doing okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that was really challenging for me. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even know that I needed to do it or the, to the level that I needed to do it. Yeah. And so I spent, yeah, I spent my, a lot of my first marriage. It wasn't till, honestly, it wasn't till the last year of mm-hmm. my marriage that I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't really had a voice. Yeah. And I haven't done a good job at explaining where I'm at emotionally. Yeah. I haven't done a good job at pushing back. Mm-hmm. And after my divorce ended, I did quite a bit of, of meeting with Danny Silk just to help heal from the pain and, and, you know, work through what really happened. And I remember it was probably like a year after my divorce, I met with Danny mm-hmm. and I was, I was like getting back into the place where I was thinking about dating again. And he said, Jay, if you don't learn how to have needs, you're going to repeat the same the same exact marriage you had before, which was a big eye opener to me. Yeah. And that was kind of at the very beginning stages of like when you and I were starting to hang mm-hmm. out, I was really starting to think through like, okay, how do I not repeat his? I have to find my needs. Yeah. Which is kind of a, this funny thing, right? Like yeah. this thought of like, I have to find how to have needs. It was like this big challenge for yeah. me. Can I say something really fast? Yeah. So side note. I am going to tell a funny story about oh, that though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Side note, I I think for anybody listening that has walked through a divorce or heartbreak of any kind, like you've been in a relationship and then that relationship ends, I remember processing with you because you shared a lot with me about what you learned through the process of your divorce, which by the way, was a very trust building between us. Like it was really oh, yeah. helpful for me to hear what you've learned, what you learned after mm-hmm. I needed to know, like, yeah why did you get a divorce and what happened? And I remember one of the things you said to me was, um, you know, it wasn't actually your desire for your marriage to end. However, it did. And I remember you saying to me that when a marriage ends, each party has to look at what they Mm -hmm. did to contribute to the breakdown of the marriage. Because even if one person wanted out and the other one did not, there's a reason for the breakdown that happened and the rub that was happening inside of that marriage. And so I remember you saying to me, I know what I did to contribute to my marriage not working. Part of my issue was I didn't learn, I didn't know how to have a need or how to push back or how to communicate. And that could come off as sounding like, oh, you were the some saintly creature inside of the marriage and that actually isn't the case. That has nothing to do with it. It's actually no. you weren't showing up in your marriage fully. Like that is what it comes down to is you weren't actually fully showing up in your marriage. You didn't know it and it wasn't in a bad heart. But I just think that that's really helpful for people to know like there's always there's two people inside of every relationship and two people are contributing to the health or the breakdown of that relationship. Yeah, it's so true. And, and the best thing I could do is to figure out where I did good and where I did bad. Yeah. So I could grow from that experience. Totally. So, um, so this topic of needs and discovering that they even existed came out of that for you. It did. It really did. And so Danny, I had this conversation with Danny and he's like, Jay, you have to figure out how to, have real needs or you're going to, you're going to repeat this. So mm-hmm. when you and I were first starting to date, I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I got to find these needs, you know, <laughs> like I don't want to go through back through that painful experience again mm-hmm. in my life. And so what I started to do is, is I remember just little things, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a need about where we eat dinner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I'm going to express my opinion <laughs> and uh, I just started that. And I, I remember specifically, I had a roommate. So I had six roommates 
Oh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. I had six roommates when, when I was just a single dad, you know, and these guys were awesome. And one of my roommates' name was Kyle. It was his birthday. And so you and I went out. We just started dating, I don't know, probably like two months in or something. And we went out to Target to pick up a present for Kyle. Yeah. And I remember uh, we'd got this gift and we were now looking for like a bag to put it in, a gift bag to put it in. And like, if you go back to my history, I don't care what a present is wrapped in. I don't really care that a present's wrapped. Yeah. None of that matters, right? Like roll it up in a, in a brown paper bag, put some duct tape on it and we're good. So I remember going and I was searching through the gift bags and you had one that you really liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny to me now. It's and, so trivial, yeah, right? It, it is. doesn't matter. This but is how are. trivial it is. So you had one that you're like, oh, this would look really good. You know, it'd go good with the gift. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know that I like that one. And I remember I grabbed this other one that was like polka dots. It was like these these black and white polka dots. And you're like, babe, that's not that's not going to look good at all. I love that you remembered it was polka dots. Like, I don't remember the details, yeah. but you do because it was so it was impactful. the one time. It was the one time. So it was black and white polka dots. And the funny thing is you really do care how a gift looks and how it's wrapped. And like, that is part of the gift to you. So I told you like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And, and you're kind of frustrated. You're like, who's, where did this come from? And yeah. He was like being real stubborn about the wrapping. I'm like, <laughs> since when do you make these kinds of decisions? <laughs> it's not even your area of expertise. <laughs> so then I was like, I picked out the bag, kind of put my foot down a tiny bit. And then, <laughs> and then I got, uh, we went over to the bow section and you were like, you grabbed this little tiny bow. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't really like that. And I went and I found this big pink bow. It was like the size of a small Frisbee. Oh my gosh. It was god awful that? ugly. Yeah, it was terrible. It was huge. And Kyle's this big guy. He's this big bodybuilder guy. And I was like, oh, I want to get this for him. And you were like, babe, no way. And I remember just being like, no, nah, this is really what I want to get get for him. And <laughs> the funny thing is, right, like in a relationship that causes conflict. Now it we're does. in a conflict over a over the wrapping. Like what and I remember telling you, he's my friend. Yeah. This is what I want to get him. Mm-hmm. And I oh, but I also remember thinking to myself, I'm practicing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And so we get to we get to the party and Kyle grabs the present and the first thing he does is he takes the bow off of the bag and he puts it on his forehead and he's like, this is awesome. And I just yeah. felt so validated totally. in my, uh, in my needs. And uh, honestly, and as funny and as trivial and dumb as that is, that was the beginning of me starting to go, okay, I'm on this journey of recognizing that I have needs and validating them because the truth is, is that all human beings have needs. Yeah. All of us do. And when a need goes unmet, it leads to pain, lots of pain Mm -hmm. in our life. And the other side of this thing is if I don't have needs and have boundaries with you, you have no way of actually really caring for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, really saying, I love you. Now you can do things that are caring, but it's in the taking care of my needs mm-hmm. and being able to handle them, especially when it's not your first choice. Yeah, It's my first choice. It's in you honoring my needs and my boundaries that really says to me, I see you, I care you, I care for you, I love you, I know you. Like, yeah. I'm respecting you. I think there's a couple other things that should be said too. Like before we dive in too much more, if you're, you know, if you're listening and you're like me, you're thinking, I mean, could we really put a pink bow in the category of need? You could. Is that a need? Because I do think that people throw around the word. Yeah. And what I want to say is, no, 
you know what? Like yeah. he's going to actually be okay if he doesn't get that pink bow. That's oh, yeah. not what it's about. So what we're actually talking about is there's, there's a lot of things wrapped up in actually knowing what your needs are. And I think some of it actually is understanding and validating your own emotions. Mm-hmm. Actually recognizing, oh, I have a feeling about that. Oh, I actually, I have a thought about that. I, I have a preference in this situation. Mm-hmm. And actually being able to identify for yourself and validate, say like, hey, actually, it's okay that I would prefer the pink yeah. bow. And am I in a relationship with someone who's willing to bend in order for me to actually get what I want in this moment? And it isn't necessarily, maybe maybe the need isn't the pink bow. Maybe the need is actually, I mean, dig like three layers beneath that and we're going, oh, I have a need to be able to express something in this relationship and have you respond to me in a loving way. That's the need. The need isn't the pink bow, duh. No. The need is I want to be in a relationship with someone who can actually see my heart and say, I like that. Let's do that. So, 100%. So I think, you know, when we're talking about finding and understanding your needs, we're talking about everything from recognizing and validating your own emotions, being willing to say that what you want matters, you know, the question of is the person in relationship with you, whether it's a friend or a spouse, are they willing to see your uniqueness and actually meet you in that spot and love you in that spot. I think it's a lot more than just, I need a pink bow to be happy today. It had nothing to do with the pink bow. No, but I think that needs to be said. Yeah, it does. It had everything to do with, can I, can I share my desires with you and will you value them? Totally. And that was, but again, like to me, those were the things that I was skipping over yeah. In my previous marriage and just in relationships, mm-hmm. even like with my dad or my mom, those yes. would be the things I would skip over, right? Like I, my dad's, my dad's an opinionated, uh, strong man and, mm-hmm. and not a domineering. He's just got some opinions. So and he's vocal. Yeah. And he's vocal. Yeah. So it's easy to be in a relationship with someone like that and just go, oh, whatever you want. Oh, whatever totally. you want. And then wonder why you feel lonely or not seen or. That's the thing is actually having your needs. So I would say. Being able to recognize and vocalize your own needs is critical if you want to actually feel known by the person that you're in relationship with. 100%. So I can do loving, caring things for you, towards you all day long, but it doesn't necessarily lead to you feeling known, which is actually the great need of a human being is to feel seen and known. Yeah. I mean, loved. That's it right there. If you feel seen, known, and cared for by the people that you're in relationship with, like everything else works itself out. Yeah. And this is, so, you know, personality differences play into this a huge amount because I would say I do not have the same, I have not had the same struggle as you when it comes to identifying and validating my own needs. Like I'm probably more like your dad in that way, where I usually have an opinion and I'm very, very comfortable vocalizing the opinion. I don't actually worry too much about inconveniencing whoever it is that's in my space at the moment. I actually want to feel seen and known so much that I'm willing to make another person. Actually, this plays out most most often in my closest relationship. So it's not like I actually don't care about making people uncomfortable. It's that when I'm in a deep relationship with you where there's vulnerability involved, I care more about you seeing and knowing me in a moment than about making like pleasing you or making you happy. So we have this like vice versa conflict. We have this, we have very different uh, weaknesses, I would say. And so personalities. personalities, yeah. But I'm saying where you might struggle to find and vocalize your need, I would be on the other side of going, oh, I'm I'm scared to actually validate your need because I'm afraid mine won't get me. You know, like we have this yeah. like I perfect storm combination going on. Like I could very much be the dominant personality in the relationship yeah. in this area. I remember when we took our assessment for our pre-marriage assessment. Yeah. At the end of it, there's a category that's like, how pleasing are you? And it's a, it's a weird word to use. It, it it may make more sense if somebody was familiar with the assessment. But yes, there's like this category that Myers measures. Briggs. 
No, no it's not it Myers-Briggs. It's it was the, the uh, prepare and rich. Yeah, prepare and rich assessment. And there's a category that measure. It's it's called pleasing. How pleasing are you? But it's basically how how willing are you to like meet somebody else where they're at, regardless of where you're at. So mine was a hundred percent. Yeah, I I literally scored a hundred percent pleasing. Right, like uh-huh. I am gonna do whatever, whatever I can to, to make, make you, happy. you feel incredible Mm -hmm. and you were like 12 yeah (laughs) and I was I walked out there a little scared and I walked out I was like oh this is gonna work out yeah (laughs) totally we actually I mean but that's a good that's a good point is this dynamic for us is always something that we navigate so I'm Mm -hmm. constantly working to go hey I'm gonna I'm gonna actually set myself to be more accommodating I'm going to I'm going to actually prefer you over myself in these different situations where I feel vulnerable. Yeah. I'm going to choose to make an adjustment and you're constantly having to choose to really show up and vocalize what it is that you're feeling, how you need something, especially if we're in a conflict, you letting me know, Hey, that hurt. Those are the, those are, those are the things that are more challenging for you. Yeah. And we can talk a little bit more about this when we talk about boundaries. Yeah. We'll dive in deeper to mm-hmm. this, but this is so, honestly, like this is one of the keys to why our relationship works really well mm-hmm. is because we're both balancing and on this journey of being able to really vocalize what's going on inside of you, mm-hmm. honor the other person, listen to understand, and it's not easy. This is like, this is hard work. Yeah. And it's a constant journey. Yeah. So to kind of summarize this first part that we've discussed, I would say every single person has a set of needs that are vitally important that they're met. It's vitally important that this set of needs is met. Our needs are very specific to us as individuals. There's certain needs that are basic among all people, right? Of course, food, shelter, water, but there's a whole set of needs that are very individualized Mm -hmm. according to your personality, according to your normals, according to Mm -hmm. how you're created, how you're made uniquely. And when that core set of needs goes unmet, people are in pain. Yeah. And generally figuring out how to label and communicate these needs to another person vulnerably is a challenge for most people. Yeah. I would say it's a, it's a learned skill for most people. So super important that we pay attention to this topic. Yeah. You know, part two of this is really diving into, okay, what are those needs? Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that we are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Yeah. So we are a triune being. Mm -hmm. And most people don't think about themselves as a triune being, and they don't think about, oh, my soul has needs. Yeah. Or my spirit has needs. Uh, They typically just think on the, the first, like the easiest thing to think about is, my body has needs, yep. right? Because I'm hungry, I'm tired, uh, I, I am whatever, I'm hot, I'm cold. And we think a lot of people can, can everyone can do that really well, right? Like we yep. know when we're hungry and we know when we're tired and we know when we're hot and when we're cold. But the challenge is, is that with needs, you can't separate your body from your soul and your soul from your spirit and your spirit from your body. They're all intertwined. And if you don't really understand what needs your soul has and what needs your spirit has and what needs your body has, what happens is you, especially when we classically just worked in this one area, right? Like especially Christians, they work in the body and in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So they're like, if I'm not, if I'm having a, a really hard day, I need to go pray. If, uh, if I'm feeling hopeless, I need to go pray. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm whatever, if I feeling down, I, like I can go do something physical. Mm. And we typically, Christians do this a lot, is we skip out on the whole soul mm-hmm. side of it. 
like my mind, will, and emotions, right? I think that's especially true in past seasons. I do feel like in more current seasons, there's been this kind of resurgence of like, oh, we are are to value emotional health. And I actually sometimes feel like people, even in the church, are kind of going over the cliff of emotional health, like seeking emotional health that's actually becoming kind of like a God in and of itself, which is a whole nother subject. But definitely traditionally in the church, there was a lot less emphasis on what's happening in your soul. It's true. And a huge overemphasis on, oh, everything is spiritual. If I'm having a bad day, it's an attack. Yeah. If I'm, you know, if I'm not doing well emotionally, it's because, you know, the devil's on my back. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I don't know. Have you slept? Yeah. Which is my whole point, right? 10 years ago when we started talking about this subject, I mean, I came out of a world where it wasn't the devil around every corner, but it was a lot of, man, like the enemy has a plan for your life and his plan is to destroy it. And so you're fighting some darkness right now, right? Like you're the hordes of hell are a little bit after you and and you don't have to focus on them. You do the opposite of it. If you're battling depression, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And so... But what you start to really understand, right, is you can't break apart what's happening from your body to soul and soul to spirit. They all are so intertwined and they affect each other. And I often, when I'm teaching this, I use this example a lot. Mm -hmm. If you haven't slept for like three days, have you ever not slept for like three days? Oh, Lord, no. Like with every child? Well, yeah. You know when you don't sleep well? When you don't sleep well, things are going to happen. Gosh. Even this morning, you were like, I feel like you're mad at me. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm I'm not mad at you. I am extremely tired. Yeah. <laughs> what happens cranky. when you go through a, a period, a season of not sleeping well right. not is, good. yeah, emotionally, so physically you're not sleeping well, that bleeds over to the emotional side, right? Your yeah. mind, will, and emotions, you start to feel low and depressed and yeah. hopeless. And then that bleeds over into the spiritual side, right? Too uh-huh. is you start to go like, gosh, where is God? Yeah. And what is my life? And, it and turns my, into a spiritual attack. It does. Yeah. It turns into this crazy thing. When really like you can go back to the very beginning is I need to sleep. Totally. Like I need to get in bed by nine o'clock and I got to sleep till whatever, 6 a.m. eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I need a full eight hours or... And the same thing's true for like the spiritual side, right? If you don't connect with God mm-hmm. and you're not getting like his promises or mm-hmm. time with him, that begins to bleed over into the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon emotionally, you, you start to feel low. The opposite's true though. Like you can have an incredible time with God where you connect with him, right? Like, so one of the needs that I feel like we have in this in the spirit, and we're not going to go through all of them. There's like... I have like categories of them, yeah. but in the spirit, so worship would be one of them. Like our, our, our spirit needs worship. Something changes in us when we worship God. Mm-hmm. When you have like this really incredible worship session where you touch the heart of God and you, and you begin to dive into like who he is and like it changes how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. and it changes how you feel about the future and it changes how you feel and it changes your motivation to do every single day. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, I'm God is with me. I'm connected. Mm-hmm. I've spent time with him. I'm going to go work out. Like I'm going to stay right. on track. Like right. I, my life is, is There's well alignment. All is well. Alignment happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so these different needs that we have. So uh, under spirit, we'll just give a couple for people, because I want them to think about this. I want you to like sit at home and get your notebook out, <clears throat> your yeah. journal out, and begin to write down like what does your spirit need, and what does your soul need, and what does your body need. And in spirit, we have like worship, and we have um, prayer, prayer, yeah, fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you move over to the soul, right? Like positive self talk would be uh, one that's massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to process with other people right? Like connecting with other people, processing well, are two massive things that affect your soul and and what your soul needs. Um, Solitude could even be one of those, right? Like meditation. And I'm not talking to like Eastern meditation where I'm talking about where the Bible's like, hey, meditate on this day and night, right? Yes. Where, what does that do for your soul? It's like, 
It is like water for your soul. It's so refreshing. And then you go over to the body category, which is super easy, right? Because we live in this so much. We're so present to it. But sleep, um, physical exercise is massive. You have eating well. And when these things, when, when you don't eat well and you don't sleep well and you don't exercise, you can't expect to feel good spiritually and you can't expect to feel good emotionally. And so that's really what we're talking about is we're talking about like, okay, one needs are super important. You have to have needs if you're going to thrive. Right. And if you don't understand what your needs are, the challenge is, I'm just recapping, the challenge is, is a need unmet leads to pain. And if you keep misdiagnosing what your needs are and you don't meet them properly, yeah. you don't really get them met and That's you right. live in this world of pain. Totally. And I, uh, I give this example a lot when, when, uh, when I'm teaching this is... Like I had, um, when I, when I teach about needs and pornography and masturbation, all that stuff, um, I remember I got done teaching one time, came off the stage and there was a young man there asking me for prayer. Hey, would you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. And he said, I'm really struggling with masturbation and pornography. And I said this to him with compassion. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey. I, I'll pray for you, but I want to let you know something that the root cause of masturbation and porn isn't a lack of prayer. Totally. So I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I meant by this. Mm-hmm. If God healed him, if God miraculously took away his addiction mm-hmm. to porn and masturbation, it wouldn't solve his root issue. That's right. Because his ultimate root issue is he's got a bunch of needs that are going unmet and and he's using porn and masturbation to make up for what isn't being met in his daily life. 100%, yeah. And oftentimes, because we don't really realize what's mm-hmm. going on in our soul, what's going on in our spirit, what's going on in our body, mm-hmm. we are overemphasizing, we are coping in other areas of our life, I can give you another example. Like mm-hmm. when I dealt with anxiety a lot, a lot, a lot, and mm-hmm. didn't know how bad it was, I was so addicted to fly fishing and fly tying. And I'd spend all of my free time out on the river, fiending when I can get to the river, fiending on when I can tie flies. Yeah. And that was coming out of how do I manage this anxiety that I'm facing day in and day out? How do I medicate this stuff? And the challenge is, it's a good alternative to whatever, smoking pot or drinking a bunch, but it's a bad alternative to actually really solving the root issue. And it's a bad alternative for actually thriving in your marriage. A (laughs) hundred percent. It's true. Yeah. And so, you know, people stopping and actually taking a look at, what are the needs that I have? And maybe you can go even go to the point of like, where am I acting out in my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which or, could be overeating. Yeah. Like, like you, you say about other, you know, in other subject matters, we'll talk about like when you violate your conscience, it's a need that wants it's to be a met. need that wants to be met. So where are you violating your conscience? Where do you know you're choosing something that's actually unhealthy? Where do you know yeah. that you're choosing something that, hurts your relationships it could be as simple as i'm dating a guy that i know i shouldn't be dating totally okay there's a need that wants to be met you are using that person or um, i'm avoiding this conflict with my wife and instead i'm i'm staying at work longer than i should okay i'm using work right like i'm using work to get something that i need yeah and to avoid this place in my life yep so yeah, being able to really dive in and press in and focus on um, getting your needs met is massive. You know, the third part to me in this conversation is really is this piece of, okay, now that I understand that my needs are valid, valid that it's valid to have needs and vital to have needs. And now I understand that I'm a body, soul, and a spirit. How mm-hmm. do I go about getting those needs met? Totally. 
can I, can I back up one second? Cause yeah, I think you said something really interesting when you were talking about the kind of hypothetical yet all too common example of the guy who's addicted to porn nice. and masturbation, yeah. you said, you know, I don't know a lot of people that don't want to be free of that sort of addiction. Yeah. Everyone wants to. Everybody wants to be free of that addiction because nobody likes the feeling of being in bondage. Yeah. But like you said, God could and and does. I mean, this happens to people. Get healed in a second from the addiction. But you said God could heal you in a moment from your addiction to porn and masturbation, but it won't solve the root problem. And I mm-hmm. think that's really interesting because when I think about God coming and actually intervening in a situation, I think about him doing it in fullness, in completion, in, so what do you think about that? Like, what, what do, what do you think about the fact that God could come and actually in a moment take away an area of bondage Mm -hmm. and that doesn't somehow solve the actual problem? How does that play out? So, uh, I've had this conversation a ton, um, I had it the other day with a friend, actually Seth Dahl. I was talking to Seth Dahl mm-hmm. and Seth Dahl was a drug addict, which yeah. um, we talked about it on our Brave Co podcast, his whole story. He was a drug addict. Yep. And when he got saved with this incredible encounter, mm-hmm. he gets saved, right? And he was delivered from um, hard drugs. Yeah. Woke up the next day, completely delivered. No um, withdrawals, all Zero. of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a wild story. You know what's interesting is that he was still addicted to smoking. Interesting. And you know what's crazy is I told Seth this. Well, actually, when he said, I was completely delivered, I said, what about to smoking? And he said, actually, it took me a long time. It took me a while to go through the journey of breaking that addiction. I said, you know what's crazy, Seth, is I've been working on this theory for a while. Because mm-hmm. I've I've heard that same testimony over and over and over again is... God delivering people from people getting delivered from like these hardcore drugs or this hardcore lifestyle. Uh-huh. But then they have these little things that they can't shake that they can't shake. And here's my theory is okay. that God wants to make it a fair fight. So I think a lot of times God's like, Hey, the, that math addiction that you have, like I'm going to come in. That's too much for you. I'm going to come in and free you and deliver you from that. Hmm. But like you need to go through the process of learning how to overcome this small thing. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, you're going to learn how to get your need met so you don't end back up in meth again. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that's just one thought. I don't, and I don't even know that it's that sophisticated or complicated. I often think that, well, here's the thing. How do you teach somebody in a moment's time like God comes in and takes away that addiction, but that's there because of the underlying pain, the, you right. know, probably their childhood, their inability to really connect. Yeah. I mean, just assumptions, right? But people have to learn those social skills. They have to learn how to, to communicate and how to interact and how to validate their needs. Like yeah. you don't just learn that overnight. No. And And so again, I think that God can take away that addiction, but you're going to have to, you're going to battle something somewhere. Yeah. Because you don't have that skill set. If you don't have that skill set. Right. If you don't have it, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think it's an interesting concept and I, but I do feel like you're right. And I think people could probably, yeah, I mean, in all the years of counseling that you've done, I mean, what we've seen is how that plays out. You can actually be delivered of something in a moment, but the journey, there's always a journey associated with learning how to thrive. It's true. You can, you can, it's like you can get back up to zero, but to go from zero to 10 in thriving land, it's a journey. It's a journey to build. It's a journey to build a solid foundation. It's a journey to actually build meaningful relationships. It's a journey to build trust with yourself after violating your conscience for years and years and years. You have to learn to trust yourself in those areas. So I just think, probably the mysterious and beautiful and even I'm going to say human side of God. We, God is God and he is Mm -hmm. perfect. Right. But in his ability to relate to us as people, 
I think that beautiful yet mysterious part of him, there is a journey. Life is a journey of growing into some of those places of thriving and health. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, one of the best tools to help people grow in this area is self-awareness. And to me, self-awareness is kind of king. It's not introspection, which is kind of important because when you get into introspection, you're saying, what's wrong with me? It's full of insecurity. But self-awareness is the ability to know what's going on inside of you whenever you need to. Mm -hmm. And why this is key, right, is because most of our life is operated in the unconscious realm, which means like almost everything that we do in a day, we don't really aren't paying attention to the fact that we're doing it and what you feel in a day. The amount of processing that you do without being aware that you're doing it is staggering. And so, for instance, like earlier, you were a little edgy. Mm -hmm. You're not even conscious that you're edgy. You're not conscious that right now I'm sending a message to him that I'm really edgy. And I have to go, hey, are you okay? I feel like you're upset at me. I do something. Yeah. And then you become conscious of it. You're like, ooh. So self-awareness is is key because what happens is it enables me to get real-time information on what's going on inside because I'm paying attention and noticing when I feel off or when I feel great or when I feel low. And to me, it's just, it's so helpful. I remember, uh, I use it all the time, right? Like if I get up to speak uh, at a conference or Sunday morning, or I have practices for so long in my life that I can get up to speak. And if I'm nervous, I'll be conscious that I'm nervous. And I'll go, oh, hey, right now you're nervous. If I don't do that, I spend so much, I'll spend like 10 minutes doing stupid stuff on stage, telling random stories to unconsciously try to get myself to feel comfortable as opposed to just going, okay, you feel whatever, nervous right now or insecure. What do I consciously want to do to deal with that? And so the key to me is self-awareness, growing your ability to know what's going on inside of you. If you're angry, why are you angry? If if you're sad, why are you sad? If you're lonely, why are you lonely? And when did that start? Being able to stay current with yourself is it what it does is it stops us from all of a sudden blowing up and then looking back and going, oh. I have been suppressing all this stuff for so long. So that's that's typical people's cycles is they like procrastinate, 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 getting their needs met, stop, you know, and then they build up, build up, build up, and then explode with, I don't feel loved or I don't feel cared for or acting out, binge drinking or whatever, you know, do things that, that they don't want to do. Another big one for us was when we were dating. I remember when we were dating, Um, sometimes I would just be with you and I would all feel so insecure about where we're Mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, you're really insecure right now. Yeah. Which is not a problem. That's okay. I'm not trying to feel insecure. I don't want to feel insecure. It's just a fact, right? Fact, you're insecure. Now, if I'm not conscious of that, what I will do to solve insecurity is I will try to push our depth of connection in order to feel secure, right? Like if I could get you to make out with me, all of a sudden I feel secure Right. in our relationship. I feel secure about myself. If I could get you to whatever, go further physically, then I feel like, oh, we're more connected, more committed. The problem is I'm violating our, our value system in order to get my need met. Yeah. And in marriage, that's when, when we get married and I have, I have managed my insecurity through violating our relationship we get married and we don't have any trust in the bank. Right. So, you know, it shows up in all different areas of our life. But so the key is kind of to grow your your um, self-awareness. I used to write uh, notes on the mirror. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have these notes like, good morning. Uh, how are you doing? And it seems so ridiculous, right? But 
you have to repeatedly ask yourself where you're at in order to subconsciously like be able to catch yourself when you're up or down. Yeah. This, it seems like this stuff would go without saying, but, but truly I do think people have a a hard time stopping and identifying what's going on inside of themselves. I mean, think of something that happened, gosh, a couple weeks ago, we have a, we have a nine month old baby. And so, you know, for the last nine months, we haven't been sleeping the way that we did before he arrived (laughs) as it goes. And as you mentioned earlier, sleep alone is an incredible factor mm-hmm. in whether or not a person is able to function at a high level in a day or a week. And I just remember a couple weeks ago now, I woke up and, you know, got up with the baby. Then the toddler woke up and then we're kind of doing our morning. We've got breakfast going. And I just remember feeling like I'm going to lose my mind the next time one of these humans does something obnoxious. Yeah. Like if that, if that toddler doesn't stop hitting that spoon on the kitchen cabinet, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. And I remember, I remember feeling like I'm, I'm either going to wreck our day by freaking out on Jason or just punishing one of the kids or, you know, there's something bad's going to happen. And I remember thinking, okay, take a deep breath. You're about to lose it. Why don't you ask for 15 minutes of alone time mm-hmm. instead of losing your mind all day? Yeah. So I asked, I said, could I have 15 minutes? And I handed you the baby and I went in our bedroom and I closed the door and I don't know what I did probably for 15 minutes. I probably took a shower. I probably processed some of my emotions, but I, but in that moment I thought to myself, this is the gift of self-awareness, yep. the gift of being able to go, Hey, red flag. I'm not okay. I can tell and I can actually be proactive and do something about it instead of wreck our connection for the remainder of the day by feeling irritated all day long. Yeah. And it doesn't always, it's not always a quick fix like that, but how many people feel irritated all day long, don't actually stop to give it a moment's notice damage their connection with everybody in the house, leave a wake of disaster in their trail, and then wonder why their marriage is suffering or wonder why they don't actually enjoy being around their kids and they're a stay-at-home mom. Bummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think this is a, this is a really critical skill set, being self-aware, knowing what's going on inside of you, and then understanding the implications it has on your relationships. This is a huge deal. This is not a small thing. It's true. It's so simple. And, and, and at the same time, it's like so critical. So, you know, being able to, being able to practice, I really think that people should set an alarm on their phone to learn in the morning, the alarm goes off and it says, good morning. How are you doing? Is there anything that you need before you get up? Right. And recognizing if you woke up tired this morning, you need to know you're tired. If you woke up a little hopeless you need to know that you're a little hopeless because you can do something about tired. You could do something about hopeless. Um, if you feel great, great. And then at lunchtime, your other alarm goes off and it says, how's it going? Is there anything that you need to address at lunch that you haven't addressed, right? Because you're learning, you're practicing. Yeah. And then at night, a little alarm goes off and it says, uh, how did it go? Is there anything that you need to address? Like you may be able to say like, hey, babe, uh, just want to let you know I'm feeling blah, blah, blah. Or mm-hmm. uh, the kids need blah, blah, blah. You're offloading you are checking in with yourself and seeing, is there anything that I haven't expressed that I'm, that's a need that I need to give away right? or that I need to communicate or need to be aware of. Yeah. And if you do that, right, if people practice, uh, even just a little, a, a little while setting those alarms so you don't have to remember or writing on your mirror, you know, just small things pretty soon you get really good at it. And the beauty is when you get really good at it, it's it's almost effortless. It's just these little tiny things that you have to focus, pay attention to in order to function the mm-hmm. way that you really need to function. And, here, and here's the thing. When you say to me, hey, can I get 15 minutes? I'm happy to give you 15 minutes. Or, hey, can I get an hour? Okay, maybe that's a stretch. Maybe it's harder for me to give you a, an hour. But that hour 
is so much easier than doing five hours yeah. of you being frustrated, angry, out of sorts. And so, you know, it always seems like a little bit of a pain to, to like, oh, I don't really have time to do this or I don't really have, have the time to work out in the morning. I don't have time to whatever time for myself. You can't afford to not take time for yourself. You can't afford to not get these needs met because it affects you so much. You end up paying way more on, on the other side of it. You might as well have done it right, felt good about yourself for doing it, and, and, and your environment is better off because yes, of it. Yes, so. that's so good. Yeah, last thing that I think we should mention, and probably won't dive deep into this, but I think the last part of self-awareness that is, you know, if we're talking about a foundation for relational health, we're talking about the element of feedback mm. in your life with other people. So I think you know, a secondary definition for self-awareness. Yeah, it's knowing what's going on inside of you. But I think the other element to self-awareness is actually the part where we go, okay, not only do I know what's going on inside of me, but I can adjust, I can monitor my behavior in real time Mm -hmm. because I can see how it's affecting people. So I walk into a room and I'm able to be self-aware enough to know how people are experiencing me, or at least I know how to ask for input or feedback from my Mm -hmm. community, from the people around me to know how I'm affecting other people. Because without that part of self-awareness, I do think it's impossible for people to thrive in relationship. Yeah. And we can get into that some more with boundaries and communication as well. Um, Because, you know, it's all so intertwined together, but yes, absolutely. You know, our ability to, be aware of how our environment is experiencing us is a skill set that we grow in. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reason why we say that is if you feel really insecure, then your gauge on how the world's experiencing you is skewed, not accurate. Not totally. accurate. And if you feel overly confident, exactly, your gauge on how the world people are loving this. Yeah. They're loving this. And we people all experience those people, <laughs> totally. you know, and sometimes I am that person Yeah. and on either end of the spectrum. I'm never that person, but yeah, I know some people yeah, struggle with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, it's a, it's a growing area of our life, but here's the thing. The key is that you care. The key is that you go, how are others enjoying this right now? Yeah. Uh, how are others feeling about this? Because if you take that first little step You'll become better and better and better about doing stuff for the environment that matters, that's important, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. And you won't walk around being a a jerk. Totally. Or you won't, you won't be distance yourself and create this void when there's supposed to be, you know, connection. So it's important. That's good. All right. Well, these topics, this topic specifically of needs this is going to come up again and again. We're going to talk Absolutely. through this so many times in different contexts. But um, guys, thanks for listening today. Um, really glad that that you're here. We want to continue to get to know our audience. So connect with us. If you want to connect, uh, let us know how you're experiencing our podcast. We want to know what you want to hear about too. If there's topics of interest for you or big questions that you have, let us know. You can leave us comments. You can connect with us on social media. Um, specifically if you are a man and you are listening and you want more of Jason, then you can connect with him at braveco.org. Uh, you could also email, uh, dates, mates, babies at gmail.com. You know, it also would be really awesome what? that we'd appreciate a ton hmm. is if people would rate this podcast yeah. and leave a comment. Yep. Um, that helps a ton. Yep. And rate it. Subscribe, subscribe and send what people know that we're out here chatting it up in the world of relationships. Thanks, you guys. We will um, we'll talk to you next week. We're going to be talking about communication and boundaries. Boom.